Hey there, Patty Dominguez here with episode 184 of the Positioning to Profit podcast. Thanks for checking out this episode today. It's a great one. Why? Because it covers one of the topics that I know is near and dear to everyone's heart because it's something that they do not like. (laughs) You don't like it. In other words, more often than not, people don't feel comfortable with selling. They don't like sales. In fact, for most people, it makes them sweat. It makes them uncomfortable. They're thinking, oh my God, I got to ask for the sale. And so if you have that uncomfortability, then this episode is perfect for you. Because I meet up with Alicia Barr, who is a sales strategist and speaker with over 14 years of experience customizing sales strategies to your personality, audience, and fit. Because sales is not a one-size-fits-all. What a refreshing take, right? And so she says that her methods empower service providers, like you and I, to effortlessly convert 80% of their leads without paying pressure or pretending to be someone else. And the fact that she has sold over $50 million in services herself tells me that she is an expert, right? So that is our episode today with Alicia Barr. It's a really great conversation on how to know if the sales is the right fit, And so hopefully with this episode, it'll help you to gain some clarity around how to position your products and services so that it's an easy conversation instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I hate selling. And it doesn't have to be hardcore, right? You don't have to go in for the kill. None of that. It's going to be great. Check out this episode. Glad you're here. And we're going to learn some good stuff. All right. With that, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Hey there, I'm Patty Dominguez. You're about to discover what it means to position your brand and your business to stand out. This show explores the stories of small business owners just like you who are bringing their message out to the world and impacting their tribe. So if you want to take your business to a category of one status, then hang with me because this podcast shares everything you need to know about how to be more prolific with your brand so that you can have more profits. All right, Alicia Barr, sales expert extraordinaire awesomeness. Welcome to the Positioning to Profit podcast. Super excited to have you here, especially because I know that this topic of sales is a thorn in people's side. So hopefully you are here to shed some light as to how to make sales work for them. First and foremost, welcome. Thank you so much, Patty. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. And where in the world are you, by the way? I'm in Denver, Colorado. Oh, and how's it over there right now? It is finally 70 degrees and sunny. Here too. I'm just outside of Chicago and it was so nice to go out this weekend and I went for a walk. Same. It like almost makes me tear up when I'm in the sunshine. (laughs) All right. Tell us a three minute story about your background. How did you get to what you're doing now? Yeah. Okay. I had a career in sales, selling advertising for a big corporation. So I actually helped. I worked at a newspaper and I moved print accounts into digital advertising. So I was like the digital specialist. And I did that for a couple of different places. So I worked with really big clients, long contracts, million dollar contracts, small clients, different industries. And it gave me a really good landscape of what kind of people you work with. I experienced every kind of weird you could think of, especially car dealers, very strange people. Yeah. 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 So I went to have my own marketing agency for three years. And it's really hard to scale one of those because you got to hire people to fulfill. And that's a whole 
other thing that sucks. So I, and I missed sales. So it was nice to get that in the trenches experience with marketing. And that really helps in sales because the whole conversation before you get to the sales call makes a big difference in how the sales call goes too. And I've been doing the sales strategy for four years now. Wow. And so do you, so you have a proprietary method. I loved the whole premise of it. That's why I think I reached out to you because you say selling based on fit, the matchmaker sales method is something that you teach. And it's so very different than I, I see this proliferation of people selling their higher ticket courses, even though it may not be a good fit. I was just listening to a podcast of a woman who had spent, I want to say, or who had invested $50,000 in a program, yet her business offer was a mismatch to what the coaching program was. So that literally, if these people would have taken your course or your program, they would know that it's not about just selling, like going after the kill, but selling based on fit. Can you talk a little bit more about that? How did you craft that? Because I think it's so relevant in this day and age as more and more. I know I've gotten burned right? Buying courses that are just not a fit. So it's a problem. And it sounds like you're taking care of that. Yeah. So it came from, I was always a natural salesperson. And whenever somebody asks a natural salesperson, how are you so good at sales? What do you do? They say, I don't really sell. And it's how the hell am I supposed to do anything with that? It's so unhelpful. They don't know how to articulate what they're doing. And it's because they're not selling, they're fitting. And that includes telling someone when they're not a fit. (laughs) Hey, it seems like actually this is not the best fit for you right now. I would recommend doing these things first. And that makes the natural salesperson feel like they're not selling. And it's just a great trust builder for somebody. It's going to make people come back to you. It's going to make people refer you. It's going to retain clients longer Um, And it makes you, anybody who's brought on a client who's a bad fit knows how bad it sucks to have somebody who is draining your time, your energy, or maybe just not getting results and you feel terrible about it. Yeah. It's just really helpful to know who gets results with you and who doesn't. And don't, like, it's your reputation on the line if you let in people who are not a fit and they don't get results. That's going to spread around. Yeah, it spreads like wildfire, actually. The other thing I think that's really important that you just get that popped into my head is I'm always talking to my clients about, and even me incorporating more of that now around strategic partnerships. So this is such a great example of if it's not the right fit, but if I can refer you to someone who would be a good fit, and then you have some kind of an affiliate arrangement with them or a referral fee or arrangement with them in good faith that they're going to take care of that particular prospect. But then it's such a win, right? It's a win for the client. They're going the right direction. It's a win for your strategic partner and win for you. And so that's another way to think about, I think it was this whole customer journey mapping process that you come to identify as part of a real key solution to understanding that not everyone's going to be a good fit. And you're talking about selling based on fit. Can you talk a little bit about how do you know if somebody is a right fit or not? Yeah. So I can tell you that it's got to be more criteria than a working credit card. (laughs) That's a a lot of people's criteria is there. So you want to think of it like dating, right? I'm going to marry just anyone. There are questions you got to ask. 
to know if we're a good fit? Do you want kids? How are you with finances? Those kinds of things that make it a really quality relationship. And it's the same thing when you're talking to a prospect. So some of the questions that I do a deep intensive with my a diagnostic process, with my clients, and some of the questions that will uncover that are, think of the people that you do not get results for. What patterns do you find among those people? That person is not a fit. Who do you not like working with? And what patterns do you find among those people? That person is not a fit. Who do you get amazing results for? And what patterns do you see among those? And that person is a fit. For example, an easy one is a lot of people don't like working with people that are new into business. This is their first year in business. Or maybe it's their offers are $500. So it's harder for them to get a return. Or maybe they don't have a staff to support them with whatever your solution is. So they're not going to get the result. Those are some of the patterns that a lot of times you can identify. And then there's just the simple like product or service based or even alignment on a cultural level. Like, I have you heard the term Lambro? No. What is that? It's like the bro that's standing with his Lamborghini talking about how much money he makes. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a fit for me. If somebody's right. just focusing on like being an alpha and like clout and fame and money, I like working with people who really care about their client results and are not just in it to make the most money possible. So knowing that too, and being able to point that person to someone else who's maybe a bit more aggressive yeah. is really helpful. I was going to say your Lambro is, I call it chooch marketing, <laughs> like what that chooch marketing, like that cringy bro marketing guru type of thing. That's very Lambro like you're talking about. I'm like, oh my God, that's the worst. It really is. And it's okay. I don't think that works anymore. And if it does, it's sad. The people that that still works on because it's like people can, it, it's so inauthentic and it's all staged and it's not real and all the things. So here's another thing that I definitely wanted to ask you, which is I think a really important point is that for so long, I know in copywriting, people talk or copywriters talking about twisting the knife, right? Is like really selling with pain and fear. And I love that you have a concept where you talk about selling by focusing on hope. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that will be a refreshing perspective that I know people in my community, there was like this twisting the knife and pain and fear. We're so exhausted with the negativity and the fear mongering in general, that this yeah. concept of focusing on hope seems like such a refreshing new way of looking at things. I'd love to hear more about that and how you teach that. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's a lot more fun and it's more effective. So the type of person who can execute a pain-based sales structure is usually more aggressive. And you got to have a lot of patience and energy to just slug through the muck with them and really for it to be effective. And most people don't have the energy for that. So they're doing it halfway or a quarter of the way and it's not working and they feel horrible afterwards. So you need to know what the challenge is for context of course, we got to talk about what's not working, but then we get to focus on how great it's going to be now. You know, I'm so sorry that you had that experience. And it's something that I hear all the time. You didn't quit finding a solution. And now you know what doesn't work. And we can implement this 
And it's going to be so much easier when you just have predictable leads coming in, for example, or something like that, where you're really focusing on, okay, this is why this happened to you with some insight. And I'm going to acknowledge empathetically, that's frustrating as hell. You almost feel betrayed that you trusted someone and invested with them and didn't get the result that they promised. And this is how my position is different or my offer is different from what you normally see. Does that make you feel more confident about moving forward? And I'm so excited for you to have such a different experience with someone who really has your back. Oh, I love that. I love that. So it's acknowledging the pain points, but shifting it, flipping it on its head and showing empathy and having that empathy be the bridge to get them to that hopeful new way of looking at it. So that's really smart. So it still means that we have to understand our prospects, fears, frustrations, and pain points and all the things, but it's not you, it's not using that to pour salt on the wound, but saying the acknowledgement, the empathy, I think is a really great approach that would help to take to get us away from the fear mongering that we see a whole lot of for sure okay yeah, and get excited yeah. about the future yeah. yeah like it's exciting that i'm going to be able to help you solve this in a way that you haven't been able to up to this point and when you're genuinely excited about that excitement is contagious yeah for sure so tell me what are are some of the biggest mistakes people making in their sales approach that's costing them sales Yeah. The number one mistake that I see absolutely hands down is people will explain their thing, right? Whatever it is, maybe they're just explaining a piece of it, or maybe they're doing that full on pitch. It's like a monologue, which I don't advise, which is a different discussion, but they're not asking somebody a checking question. Does that line up with what you wanted? Does that seem like it would be effective for you? Like any question, like, did you basically you need to ask, did you like what I said? So a lot of times people will just go through their whole thing. They'll ask make sense, which is not a real checking question because everybody automatically says yes, because it implies that they're stupid if they don't. And have you ever had a sales conversation where someone said it made sense the whole time and then they ask a question at the end and it's very clear that it did not make sense? Yeah. And then they'll ask at the end, any questions, which is way too broad. You want to ask questions that are going to give you an answer specifically that you want. Is anything missing that you wish was included? Does this feel realistic for you? Do you see this fitting into the plan that you have right now? Whatever. You want to be get asked for the information you want. Otherwise, you get to the end of the call and you're like, they didn't move forward and I don't know why. And it's all you did was ask make sense and then any questions. You know, I love that. I love that. So it's checking in intermittently as you're taking people down the journey of how you could potentially help them. And then also checking to see if it does fit to your point, this whole thing of it's got to be the right fit. So that makes a lot of sense. Are there any other mistakes that people are doing? I know that a big one for people is I tried, I had the call, they said, oh, I just want to think about it. I'll let you know. Well, what would you do in that respect? Yeah. So let me think about it is usually an indicator that something is unclear. A lot of times they're confused about something. So you don't want to ask, what are you going to think about? But you want to ask what they're going to do with that time. Yeah. Do you have some people that you're going to talk to? Or are you going to do some research? Or you want to understand like what they're trying to do with that time to make this clearer for them. 
And if you ask those checking questions throughout the call, you're going to have a way better understanding of why somebody wouldn't move forward. And one of the really powerful things you can do when somebody says, let me think about it, is, okay, in the conversation at some point, you want to say, everything checks out for me that you're a fit and someone we could get results for. I don't see any red flags like you're expecting results in 30 days or you have an unrealistic goal or you need me to be on demand for you or whatever those things are, let them know. And then you would say, when somebody says, let me think about it, say, yeah, based on our conversation, I don't see any reason you wouldn't get the results that we've been able to get our other clients because you have those pieces in place that we talked about. Do you... Is there a concern that you might be an exception and that this wouldn't work for you? So it's just like you're mining for information, mining to see where they're at in their process and how they're processing everything that you're saying. And the truth is that every sales call, every prospect, including you, Patty, including me, everybody, when we hear the price, we think, but what if it wouldn't work? What if I would spend that money And I would be wrong and that money would be wasted and that would suck. And so I want to think about it. And it's the fear that everybody's having. And so if you're able to ask specifically, is there a concern that you would be an exception and this wouldn't work for you? They could say, I don't know, because and then you can have a conversation about it and understand if that person really isn't a fit that it wouldn't work for or if they are. So having that conversation out in the open about, let's be real, are you worried this, it, you're just going to be special, can really help give them the clarity they need. And then you really want to empower them when they go to think about it, frame what you want them to think about. So if you can find a way to do this faster and more affordably or whatever, I don't know of an option, go ahead and do that. This is, let me clarify, this is the goal you want and this is the timeline and that's what we do. I don't know anyone else who does it in this way. That's what I would want to think about. What is the alternative plan? If you don't do this, what are you going to do? Because a lot of times people don't have an alternative plan. It just feels safer to say no and be in the same spot. But it's really important for them to understand that is a decision that still has powerful results. And the result is you're in the same exact spot. So do you have an alternative option? Because I support you either way. I just want to know that there's a plan. If it's not me, that's fine. I love that. I love it because it's like, I'm so detached from the outcome. I like, I just, I'm here to help you, but I'm not exactly like, you're like, at the end of the day, this is your choice. You have to choose what's right. It's just my job to put the options in front of you very clearly so that you know where you want to go. And I think this whole concept of detaching, I think a lot of times people get so attached to the sale. They're looking at it from the perspective of, oh my God, I have to close the sale. I have to close the sale because I have to, I don't know, pay my rent or whatever. (laughs) Like people get really tied into that. I have a question for you on sales calls because this is something that is really important. Is there anything that you would recommend that people can do before the call that makes them more likely to say yes? Or what kind of pre-work can be done before that call? Yeah. So a lot of times it depends on what kind of marketing funnel you have going on, but they're are emails or a video that you can send out beforehand that really prep somebody for a call. And the information that you want somebody to have before a sales call is why you're different. Because if you have to educate 
on the call in addition to sell, it's just too many hoops to jump through. That's a lot of heavy lifting. So you really want to compare, talk about the issue that people are having and think about your competition, right? When people work with your competition, what do they consistently say that they don't like about it? What are the complaints? And what about your solution solves that so that they don't have that experience with you? And that's the kind of thing that you really want to talk about before the sales call. So they come knowing why you're different and how your approach works for somebody with this problem who's looking for this result. Mm, mm, mm. And then how do people stop spending so much time on sales calls? Yeah. So a lot of people do not have a form for somebody to fill out before they book a call. And they're scared to send one because then what if I get less calls? If somebody can't take five minutes to fill out a form, they're probably not an ideal client. That is a very small bare minimum. And a lot of people feel like, oh, if I take more calls, then I'm going to have more sales. But that's not true because if you're just spending a bunch of time on sales calls, you're going to be drained and you're not going to be excited for the calls. You're going to show up. Is this going to be a waste of my time? Is it not? I don't know. But if you know that person is a fit, this is exactly the person that you help and you knock it out of the park for, you're going to be excited for that call. And you can let somebody know ahead of time, hey, I see that you're at this point in your business. That's not really my sweet spot, but I have someone I can refer you to. You can reach out ahead of time and reschedule that call, point that person somewhere else. And it comes back to knowing what makes somebody a fit and having many of those questions on the form. So like, for example... Who's somebody that I worked with really recently? Oh, yeah. Someone who helps. She helps med spas. So what's important for her to know is if the person is the decision maker (laughs) that's coming to the call, of course. She wants to ask, do they offer laser services? Because that's what she needs them to offer for her to help them. She wants to ask what is most important to them. And if it's like getting new leads, that's not her. She's she's helping people optimize the customers they already have. So those kinds of things it really help. You want to think about what makes somebody fit. How many years have you been in business? Do you have a staff supporting you right now? How many people? What's your income? Some people feel weird about that. It depends on what you're selling. Anyway, I hope I'm giving like a good baseline for everybody to think of. Absolutely. Because I think I agree with you on the application. What happens in the absence I have found of having an application is that people will get on a call and they're going to be giving away free advice. And so what happens Mm. is that people walk away, they got a bunch of advice. They're like, oh, that was great. Thank you. And I literally will have clients that say to me, I I wouldn't, I'm like, because you were teaching or you're giving a free coaching call. This is not a sales call the way that it's modeled. And when you have an application, that person to your point, I couldn't agree with you more, is that they have to take the time to submit that application, so to speak, so that it shows that they're in fact serious, they're ready. So it's almost like it's the acknowledgement that they need help. It's a micro commitment that they're on the path so that you can help them. And I think it's not, if anybody is scared of having that, you're doing it wrong and you're probably wasting your time. It's just like Alicia saying, you have to pre-frame the conversation so that they're not wasting your time. Because that's going to happen. I used to do the same thing. I'd be like, why didn't that sell? And I was like, you didn't sell anything because you were too busy coaching. 
free for free. That's what happens. Yeah. A lot of times. So you want to ask like what they're looking for more of in their business. And that can actually sell you quite a bit too, because you can put all the things you help with and the other person's, wow, I didn't know Patty helped with all of these things. Oh my gosh. So you want to know that they need help with something that you're offering. And then sometimes it's about having a structure for the sales conversation. So when somebody just coaches, they're not having the right structure for the conversation. Instead, you want to say things like, I would need to dive in deeper to know for sure on something like that. That's something that we would work together on instead of giving, because a lot of people think, oh, they got all the answers and so they went away, but actually they're usually totally overwhelmed and confused. So it's like really hard for somebody to retain everything you say in a short conversation. When you educate a bunch, the person's just, wow, it sounds like you know what you're doing. I'm totally overwhelmed with the information and I don't know what to do with it at this point. Rather than the conversation being about, how, what your issue is and how my solution solves it. Exactly. Not here's what you do to solve your issue. <laughs> exactly. That- oh my God, totally. Yeah. And there's such a difference. And I, I, quite frankly, I learned that the hard way and it wasn't until I worked with somebody on this. I was like, oh, now I see the error of my ways and why I wasn't closing. And it's subtle, but it's meaningful because it's all about what you are putting out there in terms of this is what we're going to go through and here's how I can. So I go back to, I'm trying, I'm tongue tied. I go back to the idea that you have to pre-frame the conversation properly. Otherwise it's going to go off rails is really what it comes down to. So I couldn't agree with you more. Okay. We are going to transition to the fast five questions. There are no wrong answers with the fast five questions. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What would make this a great year for you? I'd love to go on four vacations. Me too. Me too. Yeah. To be honest. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so out of curiosity, are there any that are at the top of the list? And like any locations? Well, yeah. So I think that we're going to go with our friends to this place, Sayulita, Mexico, oh. which is like, it's like a little bit of a hidden, a hidden gem. Ooh. For family. So for Thanksgiving, we're going to oh, go there. Oh, that's so good. Oh, wow. I love missing a big obligatory holiday with lots of fuss like, to be on a beach. Yes. That sounds so inviting. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so cool. Okay. Number two, what would you consider your greatest achievement so far? Oh, man. I think it's finally figuring out how to put words to what every natural seller is doing Mm. so that other people can do it in a way that's natural. So they can sell. It took me years to finally articulate it in very few words. Yes. It's so true. The simplicity of it is actually the most challenging part of it, right? Like how do you synthesize all this stuff that you know and make it simple? It's really, it takes time for sure. A person, place, or a thing. What is one thing that inspires you? I think it's really inspirational when I see people who had all the excuses not to do something, do the thing anyway, like against all odds. I'm like a big underdog person, you know, all about the underdogs. I love that. Yeah. Those are my people. What is one thing you wish somebody would have told you before you started your entrepreneurship journey? Probably the the biggest thing that you need to work on and grab a hold of is your mindset because your mind sabotages you about imaginary things that aren't real all the time. 
Oh my God, you said a mouthful there. This could be like 25,000 episodes on that topic. It's like, there's so many different ways it creeps in. And then it's always going to be something you have to work on, like new level, new devil, all the sayings. It's so true. And number five, after all is said and done, Alicia, what is, or what do you want your legacy to be? I guess it's, I feel like it's a bit cheesy or cliche, (laughs) but I would want people to say like, she offered an alternative to sales that allowed normal, good people to be fantastic at it. I love that. Yeah, it's not cheesy. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So I know that you have something super special to share with the audience on a quick fix. Is it? Is that what you're calling it? Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, it's a sales quick fix call. So you'll submit a recorded sales call or your framework that you're using, or even just if you don't have anything written down, putting down what you usually walk people through. And we'll meet one-on-one and I will identify the top three things to adjust so that you can immediately close more meetings. Brilliant. And how do people connect with you for that? So it's on my website, aliciabar.com. You would just be able to, to book the sales quick fix call right there. Excellent. So aliciabar.com, it's spelled a little different. A-L-E-A-S-H-A-B-A-H-R.com. It will be in the show notes on the website. So take opportunity to plug in with a real sales expert who can help you really plug in those holes, the gaps that you may have in your sales process. Alicia, so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Continued success to you. And I love your mission and what you talk about and how you make sales so approachable for people. So continued success. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Positioning to Profit. Thank you so much for being here. As always, if you enjoyed some element of the show, or maybe you enjoyed all of the show, do consider leaving me a rating and reviews. It helps me a lot. In fact, it fuels my fire. It's like a big cup of coffee that I absolutely love. So I very much appreciate your five-star review. And you can reach out to me on social media. Let me know what part of this episode you like or what else you want to see. I love hearing from you. And yeah, that is what really makes it all worth it. Also, if you are looking to create your own Category of One, check out Category of One Course. Category of One Course. And you can also find out how you can receive Category of One Course for absolutely free with coaching included. And all you have to do is go to category of one course. All right. Thank you so much. And hope you're having a great day.